Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Good Friday morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. It is a beautiful day in Florida, and hopefully it's a great day wherever else you might be as well. If not, you're always welcome to come to the Sunshine State. Uh, Just leave your bad behavior behind you, but thank you for joining us again. And it is a special day uh, at G's Power Hour because it's the third Friday of the month, and that means it's Friday in the Garden, and that means we have Robert Bowden. Good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. I'm doing very well. Thank you. What a beautiful day it is out there. Yes, it is. It is just really pretty out there today. Great to be be out, especially when you get out early. I love it. So. Yeah, I think How one is- of the really fun things to get out early in the morning, working in the garden, and you can sort of hear the neighborhood wake up you know doors mm-hmm. start slamming and dogs start barking and yes great Florida is a great place <laughs> to live so in get addition to coming to, to Florida the, yeah. get the chance to actually hear the birds chirp before the the cars start grinding away out yeah. there yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so we really like people coming to Florida as long as they go back home when they're done <laughs> Or like I say, even if they stay, if they can just leave the bad behavior behind them, that's a good thing. So. Yeah, leave the politics. Leave the politics in New York. Yes, yes, or wherever it is. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what's been going on with you? Well, you know, I I, I retired six months ago, and right. uh, I was just looking at, looking at my schedule, and I've got more things <laughs> on that schedule now than I had when I was working. So I'm, Isn't that always I'm, the way? I, I'm uh, teaching uh, many classes at Lou Gardens. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I have two tomorrow. And mm-hmm. uh, I teach uh, several classes at Valencia College as well. And mm-hmm. um, doing a little camping. And um, oh, nice. one, of the, one of the really, really nice things about mm-hmm. being retired after all these mm-hmm. years, is I get to spend time with my wife. We just oh. never had time, never had time to do that before because I was always working, you know, twenty-hour days. Um, now, now how does she feel about that? Uh, <laughs> well, I hope question. she feels the same. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. We. Uh, you you we hear these stories our... about uh, getting kind of used to someone being away for a while, and then when they're there. Even though that's your life partner, sometimes it it kind of changes things a little bit. But yeah, I'm glad I that's working that, out. That, I understand that the dynamics can change, but um, 
we've had uh, 50 years married uh, last month, so um, oh, congratulations. we know each other pretty well. Yeah. Cool. Uh-huh. Yep. So, so I, I know we haven't, really, we didn't really talk about what we wanted, what we were going to discuss on today's show, but I, I do have, I guess, kind of a, a question about. Um, we've talked about growing citrus in Florida and how and what has happened a little bit with uh, the citrus here in in Florida. And I, because I was talking to someone recently about when I was growing up, how you could drive um, down Highway 27. I had my um, grandmother lived in in Bartow, Florida, in Polk County. So one of the ways we used to uh, go is down 27. But how you used to see all of these orange groves and everything. And I I, I remember even a citrus processing plant um, kind of on the way to Polk County. But now, you know, a lot of those trees are, are gone. And, um, you know, you and I have talked about disease that has taken over the ones, some of the ones that remain. Do you think Florida will ever have a thriving citrus um, uh, industry again? Well, I, I think and hope so. Um, mm-hmm. This this disease called greening or HLB um, is uh, lethal. Uh, mm-hmm. At the present time, there are no known cures for it. And just to demonstrate how serious this disease is and the impact on Florida and its farmers, eight years ago, the state of Florida produced 180 million boxes of citrus. And this, and this year, it's expected to produce maybe 30 million boxes of oranges. Oh, or my citrus. God. Oh, that's so it's, just terrible. It's having a dramatic impact. Now, there's a lot of factors to this, and, and I don't mean to get on my – number one, uh, you'll see um, new trees being planted. A lot of those uh, farms – those areas where citrus are being planted are owned by uh, mega companies. And uh, they're really, quite honestly, the only folks that can afford to plant new trees in anticipation of there being a solution to uh, controlling the disease. So people like, or companies like Coca-Cola, uh, which is responsible for Tropicana orange juice, continues to plant trees all over the state with the hope and with the understanding that certainly by the time the citrus trees reach their true potential, which is 25 years after planting, uh, that there, there'll be a treatment for it. But uh, you know, regular small farm uh, People in Florida, they simply can't afford to do that in hoping that it will come about. Um, quite honestly, I am quite surprised at the uh, the lack of uh, successful science in being able to find out how to control this. Um, it's, it's remarkable that this thing is uh, just destroyed – uh, citrus farming in Florida with no 
potential um, benefit in sight. It's just uh, it's just awful. The only good news in the last five years, I guess, would be that the University of Washington uh, has able to isolate the bacteria in um, in the in the laboratory. Um, you know, before um, researchers were trying all sorts of combinations of different things, including things like streptomycin and other things, in hopes that it would have a positive result. None of them have, unfortunately. But um, they've been able to isolate it in a petri dish, so now they can eliminate all the external factors that uh, would have an effect on the ultimate result. Now that they've isolated that without any interference of anything else, I think we're on on the road to recovery. It's just going to take a little bit more time. But being able to create it and have it isolated in a lab is a giant, giant step. But so in the... Who, from what you know, um, who would be involved in that process in terms of uh, the research? Um, you know, uh, would it be the Department of Agriculture? And who would be in charge uh, of getting that research, you know, boosted or, or you know? And, well, certainly, and I guess uh, – I'm sorry, go ahead, please. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm done. Go ahead. Oh, um, there's a there's an army of people working on this from USDA to the universities here in the state and other states as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's a coordinated effort. Uh, thankfully, uh, everybody's on the same page and they share a lot of information with each other. Um, so it's it's being done in an, in an appropriate way. It says that this mm-hmm. is just a really a really tough thing. Um, to get under control. Okay. So um, the the other thing is, if you, let's say, so you you have said basically, if you're interested in any way uh, in terms of getting uh, an orange tree, or and is it just orange trees, or is it other citrus as well? I guess that's one of the questions I had. It's all uh, members of the citrus family. So okay. it's oranges, lemons, limes, kumquats, grapefruits, uh, even includes uh, ornamental plants like um, uh, murea uh, that's in the citrus family. So it, it's all it's across the board. Um, anything that's got citrus in its background is um, is in danger. Now we have noticed over the years that um, there are a few of the citrus um, trees that you can grow in your yard um, that, and I know this isn't much, uh, much help, but they take longer to die than some of the other citrus do. Mm-hmm. So we noticed from the experience at Lou Gardens in Orlando that um, the Indian finger lime and the um, key lime are two 
members of that citrus family that uh, can be found in your listeners' gardens at home, um, they finally succumb to the disease, but it takes much longer. Um, you know, we we the the gardeners at Lou Gardens removed all of their citrus because of um, it just wasn't aesthetic uh, anymore, uh, and it um, didn't produce oranges that or grapefruit that were um, edible. They took out uh, 65 uh, individual trees, and they were left with, as I said, things like the finger limes and some of the little, some of those plants. Meyer lemon is another one. Uh, they mm-hmm. they will die. Make no mistake. Um, you you can go to the store, and this is what really aggravates me. You can go to a box store or a nursery, and they are selling citrus trees that have mm-hmm. greening on them. They have greening on them. Um, my son is a perfect example. Bought a new house. First thing mm-hmm. he did was go out and buy three citrus trees. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said, listen, if if you wanted to throw away $100, throw it to me. Because it's not <laughs> if. It's not if they're going to die; they will die. Period. Mm-hmm. So, um, we a neighbor across the street planted a citrus tree right in the middle of his front yard, and it has oranges on it. Those oranges are going to be bitter. Those oranges are going to be misshapen. Those oranges are going to be different sizes. All of those are indications that it has HLB or the greening disease. Um, people, they they just don't seem to understand when I tell them um, they will die and how soon will they die? It's hard to tell. If you just buy a regular orange tree and plant it, it will be dead probably in three years. Now, if you plant a Meyer lemon, a key lime, uh, something or this uh, Indian finger lime, um, it may last longer, five, six years maybe. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you don't, have any else anyone else living near you that has a citrus tree it might last even longer remember that this disease is vectored by a small little insect that looks kind of like a leaf hopper mm-hmm. and uh you know it sucks the juice out of a, a contaminated tree and then goes to a perfectly healthy tree and uh, sucks the juice out of that. Well, when he does that, they, it infects that new tree, and uh, it's just a matter of time. So I, I still, to this day, I don't understand how um, the state or the federal government are allowing trees to be sold that clearly have HLB disease in, in, in their stores. But, you know, uh, I guess... When you live in Florida, you have to have a citrus tree in your yard, or you're, you're just not a Floridian. But um, <laughs> and I they're... I kind of get that. I kind of understand it. I mean, it, it all, because I remember my parents um, in one of the houses that I grew up with. We had 
we we had, well, we had a variety of trees in the backyard, but we had orange trees. And one of the things that was impressive to my friends and some of my coworkers was my father would box up oranges off the tree and he would send them to me wherever I was living at the time. Um, and even depending on how many he had, he would also box up and send them to some of my good friends, you know, like in Tampa yeah. and then for a while. And, and the funny part, for a while I was living in Ohio, and he would send me a box, and I'm like, okay, I can't eat all of this myself. And I would take the box with me to work. And first of all, I had to get, get people used to the fact that these aren't the polished large oranges that you see in the stores these are picked off the tree you kind of got to clean them up a little bit you know but they're the juice was the sweetest juice that we we had ever tasted and so Mm -hmm. when i think about not having the trees you know it it is for you know for floridian like me it is kind of sad the other thing too is the reason i wanted to bring this up because for example, this I think it's this week it is this celebrating um uh clean juicing awareness week or something like that. But juicing has become very, very popular. But now because you don't have you know, it was different when you had access to a lot of, you know, citrus and other things and, and I guess you don't have to just juice citrus. But it makes it more expensive. It's one of those things now when we talk about eating healthy, it's another way of, you know, kind of making it more expensive because you have to go elsewhere or you or you have to import uh, the fruit that you want to use in your juice if you're going to do the juicing. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And anything, anything touching citrus is going to be more expensive and not using citrus is going to cause – your um, your grocery bills to go up. That's for sure. The great news is yeah. because we live because we do live in Florida and we have such a diverse climate, north, central, and south. There uh-huh. are you know minimum of twenty five to thirty different fruits um, that you can grow in Florida. So uh-huh. my I'm the way I'm thinking is that. Yes, it's nice. Wouldn't it be great if everybody could have an orange tree in their yard? But right. it just may not it just may not be in the cards. But the the other side of the coin is that you can grow so many other things, even here in Central Florida where we do get frost from time to time. So many other things that you can grow. Um mm-hmm. especially for the newcomers. You know they're not going to miss citrus because they've never had citrus before. But right. You can grow things like mangoes and avocados and lychees and longans and sapotes and bananas and the list goes on and on. Um, there, I'm, I'm hoping, quite frankly, that one of these or several of these plants are going to. Um, provide an alternative to farmers who lost their shirt in the citrus. I mean, just as an example, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be wonderful if in Florida, instead of seeing acres and acres of citrus, what about acres and acres of olive trees? Yeah, think of, I, think of, I... Think of the unique I went, flavor 
mm-hmm. that olive grown in Florida for olive oil. Think think of the flavor that it would that it would present because we have warm summers, warm winters, plenty of water, sandy soil. All of those things combine for a very um, particular flavor in uh, in how plants grow. That's why the citrus mm-hmm. grows so well here. Uh, wouldn't that be wonderful if we were able to start a olive uh, oil business in Florida? Um, you know, I buy only California olive oil now because I can't trust the olive oil coming out of Italy because I can't be assured that it, it is, in fact, olive oil. It's probably rapeseed oil instead of olive oil. But if I buy really? it from California, yeah, I know it's – if I buy it from California, yeah, I know that it's olive oil, or I buy avocado oil. So wouldn't it be mm-hmm. wonderful in Florida if we were able to sort of sidestep the whole citrus thing and then yeah. move on to something that we just have to change gears a little bit? Well, I remember going to, um, you know, the, the, uh, around the springtime they have those uh, shows uh, or like Fiesta in the Park, downtown Orlando, or Winter Garden. Um, uh, it's, there's a, they have something there too. And I remember going to the one in Winter Garden. I can't think of the name of it right now. I'm sorry, Winter Garden. But um, they had one of the vendors who was selling olive trees from Ocala. And I'm like, right. really? You know, just trying to wrap my head around that. But yeah. You know, and, and the, the fact that we do have, like, for example, you know, January, mid-January, mid to late January, we have this beautiful weather here. You can get out and, you know, garden and grow a, a variety of things, including something like you were mentioning, olive trees. Uh, we see a lot of these places that have the, you pick them, uh, blueberries and, and other types of things. It, you know, there's a lot of opportunities. So, yeah, we we just have to, the ones of us that have been around here for a while, just have to get past and past that and say, okay, you know, let's let that greening uh, disease work itself out of, out of our area for a while. And in the meantime, let's, you know, be flexible and, and do something different, do something else. I mean, the the key thing is eating healthier fruit and vegetables, period, um, with fewer pesticides if possible uh, and, and, you know, growing them as, as organically as possible uh, so that you can get the maximum benefit out of them, right? That's correct. And, um, you know, we're talking about, Things like avocados and bananas and blueberries, uh, star fruit, figs, mm-hmm. guava. You know, all of these things can be grown quite easily in Central Florida, and they don't require a lot of maintenance. They don't require a lot of a lot of care, like a flower bed does. I mean, we can grow lychees and mangoes and papayas here. We can actually now, due to the uh, help of some horticulture professors of the University of Florida, they have developed peaches and nectarines and even plums that will grow in the heat in Florida. Uh, We can grow pears and persimmons. You know, a persimmon right off the tree is an amazing thing. And um, we're we're really gearing up in the recent years to uh, learn how best to grow pomegranates 
in Florida. I love pomegranates, but um, you know, you buy them in the store, they have absolutely no flavor whatsoever. It's like passion mm. fruit or dragon fruit. They have no flavor at all unless you grow them yourself. So um, I'm really looking forward to the day when people sort of drop the whole citrus thing because I understand there's a romance about having citrus in Florida. I, I too, grew up in Ohio, and I remember coming to Lake Wales in, at Easter time and just, just driving the car through those little hills and smelling all of that wonderful fragrance and going to Cypress Gardens and seeing Bougainvillea growing. It was like we are on a different planet. But, you know, fortunately, uh, most of the things I just talked about grow extremely mm-hmm. well here. And if you can just, if you can plant uh, a tree, like uh, lychee, for instance, if you plant a lychee tree, and you can get it live until maybe its fifth year without any heavy frost, you're you're up and running. You're fine. You can grow in, incredible fruit trees. So um, that's why um, I suggested to the education department at Lou Gardens uh, that we have a class on how to grow different fruits and berries in Central Florida, and they thought it was a great idea. So I'm teaching a class at the gardens on Thursday night, February 9th, on fruits mm-hmm. and berries, and we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about as many of those fruits and berries as we can in two hours. Uh, but it's just chock full of information, and uh, I think people will be surprised the things that you can grow. You know, uh, and of course, um, everyone from New York complains, oh, I miss my apples. Well, yeah, I understand that. I miss <laughs> my apples too, right? But, um, you know, being able to stop your car, race out and grab some apples off an orchard and take off as a kid, you know, that was always a fun thing to do. But there's yeah. so many other things that you can grow. Um, it just It just might take a little longer than you would like. But most of the yeah. nurseries, uh, most of the garden centers um, in town carry a good selection of fruit trees that will grow well here. Lucas, one, uh, Southern, what is it, South Seminole uh, is another little nursery up in uh, Seminole County. They have a really wonderful wide range of um, alternative fruits that you can grow in your yard. That's a great thing about living in Florida. Yeah, yeah, got to love it. Well, we're going to take a, a quick break, uh, but we're going to come back. But thank you for, for indulging me with that and, and, and addressing that because I think it's just really important. And like I said, especially if you, you know, are a long time uh, or forever Floridian, you know, you kind of it makes you kind of sad to see the demise of the, the citrus groves, but – there are always alternatives, and we just need to learn more about them so we can, you know, adopt and adapt, you know. So uh, thanks for addressing that. But we're going to talk about some other stuff when we get back. If you have questions for Robert, the number is 516-387-1944. We are here this third Friday, Friday in, Friday in the Garden with G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. 
Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. TGIF, welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Here with Robert Bowden, retired executive director of Harry P. Lou Gardens here in Central Florida. And if you have questions for Robert, the number is 516-381-944. what, how should we be preparing our gardens right now? What should we be doing? Well, I think um, the plants are finally recovering from um, some of the real cold weather that we had uh, two or three weeks ago. Um, and I'm always nervous when people get out there the next day after a cold spell and start clipping their shrubs back because you don't know how far back the cold hit them. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I have some uh, plants in my nursery. They every leaf turned black. They all fell off, and I, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder how far back they died. Is it going to be just an inch or two? Or is it going to be nearly all the way to the ground? And I have to wait for them to totally start to grow again. Uh, luckily. Um, on some of these plants that I have in one-gallon cans that I'm growing in a little nursery that I have, um, they they only got kicked back, um, you know, six inches from the tip. They lost all of their leaves underneath, but all those leaves are sprouting out again. So I really encourage people after a freeze is to go find another hobby for, for a month or so. Um, the good news is, that all your neighbors' gardens look exactly the same. So you don't have to go out there because, you know, your yard looks so bad compared to the others. Everybody else looks the same. Um, But now would be a good time to look at some of those things and maybe trim things up just a tad, uh, see where the new growth is coming from. So, Gretchen, let me ask you, you, how do you know where the good wood is that is going to produce leaves again and, and the bad. How do you, how can you tell that? Okay. You're, you're asking the, the person that my, my husband calls the black thumb instead of the green thumb. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I would just venture to say that, you know, like you say, you have to wait for a while. Um, when you, I would say when you see the, the, kind of new greenery that that comes yes. out from the branch? That's certainly uh, one of the ways, and that's what a lot of people do. You can also, uh, you know, start at the top of your shrub mm-hmm. or plant, whatever it may be, and kind of work your way down and use your thumbnail and just simply 
pull back with your thumbnail, scratch that so some of the bark comes off. And if it's brown, then obviously you need to go a little bit further down on the plant. And eventually mm-hmm. you, when you pull back with that thumbnail, you can see a little bit of green in there. So okay. from that point to the tip, that's all bad. And, and that's where it you starts cut? to be green. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So just pull back with your thumbnail, and when you start to see green, it's at that point. From there up, you want to cut all that stuff off. So there's so a there's, my, my for question example, is when the, you're cutting, when you're cutting though, do you cut at an angle? Do you cut straight? How do you cut? It doesn't make any difference for shrubs. Okay. It really doesn't. If you if you're growing roses, uh, it's helpful to cut on a on an angle so the water doesn't sit on top. But if you're talking about things like uh, the butterfly bush, you know, Himalaya, which is a wonderful native, you know, it's lost every one of its leaves. Uh, people okay. like it because it attracts. I'm watching hummingbirds out my window right now, actually. Um, mm. uh, they're um, they they're no maintenance. They produce tiny orange tubular flowers. The hummingbirds uh-huh. and the butterflies love them. But when you eat, when you walk by with a cold soda, the leaves fall off. I mean, it's just really, <laughs> really temperamental. So wow. uh, you really need to wait and see where that new growth is coming from. Because depending on how cold it was and how long it was cold, makes a big difference on on trees and shrubs that are in your um, that are in your garden at home. So just take your thumbnail and make a couple scratches six inches apart or so and see where the green starts and then just clip everything else. And that's an easy way. Um, it may be a little premature, but uh, with the beautiful weather like it is and all the dead plants you see out there, I know it's really hard to stay out of the garden. So I'd say you can go out there now and look and see what's alive and what isn't and do a little clipping and I think you'll be all right. Look something to look forward to. I'll be because I'm going to be out there tomorrow anyway. I got to uh, let the yard go. I've got to get out there to kind of straighten up. But I, I, I will restrain myself from from doing anything intensive. <laughs> Just I have I have such a sad story. Uh-oh. I I was growing thirty tomato plants, and I had lots of different varieties. I had fifteen of the San Marzano, you know, the ones that you make tomato sauce with. Mm -hmm. I had 15 of those. And then I had uh, four or five varieties of others that I was trying in the gardens and planted some old tried and true as well. And I I heard on the news, oh, we're going to have a freeze. So I have a lot of bamboo in my yard, so I cut down some bamboo, and I made this incredible bamboo structure and then covered that whole structure with a tarp and then I put uh-huh. floodlight, put floodlights inside, and that offers just enough heat where um, it's like a little greenhouse, and everything was happy. So we had the cold, and uh-huh. boy, it did get cold. It was up here in yeah. Longwood. It was 20, 28 degrees. So I took wow. took that off, uh, took the structure down because clearly we aren't going to ever get another freeze. <laughs> and, Mm. And sure enough, a week later, 
um, I saw in the news where it was going to get down to 36. And I don't, I can't remember what I was, I think I was working on my car. I was dead tired. I was, I could barely move. And I said, Mm -hmm. 36, it's okay. I, I won't build the structure. I won't cover it. I'll just hope for the best. Well, it got to 30 degrees here. Killed oh, no. everyone. Everyone oh, my gosh. of my tomato no. plants. Yeah. Mm. So I'm I'm I sowed seeds and we're gonna start all over. You know? Oh, what else can gosh. you do? But you know, things like broccoli and cabbage and things mm-hmm. like that, they all they all did really well. They don't mind cold weather at all. But you'll ne- yeah. being from Ohio, you'll never guess what I'm growing in my garden. It's rhubarb. You've you mentioned like rhubarb? rhubarb before because I know you say you like rhubarb. I, yeah. I really haven't. I really haven't um, explored rhubarb. I know I've had it in some things, like uh, yeah. I know yeah. you know, with, like I talked about juicing and stuff like that. I know like different smoothies or juices or whatever, but I don't think I, you know just say oh I'm going to sit down and have some rhubarb. I haven't done that. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, and you don't you don't do that. You don't sit down and have okay. rhubarb. You uh, All right. you can have rhubarb. You can have rhubarb jam, and okay. put that on, you know on your toast or your your um, um, English muffins in the morning. Usually, you make pies out of it. But uh, of course, the rhubarb. Yeah, I've being heard of rhubarb pie. Cold, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rhubarb custard pie is phenomenal. Uh, it just tastes so good. Last year. I grew six rhubarb plants. Now, where we're from, Ohio, uh, plant rhubarb and rhubarb stays in the garden forever. But here, because of the heat and the humidity, rhubarb doesn't like hot weather. So we we grow the rhubarb from seed beginning in August, and then we grow it in the garden and we harvest it along the way. Uh, and then by May... Uh, it starts to melt out. It starts to get fungus and stuff, so we, we take it out. So unlike other places where it's a, it stays in the garden permanently or like a perennial, uh, they're really an annual here. But it's worth it. There's not a lot of work involved. You just plant the seed, take it out, and put it in the garden, and away you go. Okay. Well, yeah. I will have to try that. I, I think I, I will just I will dabble a little bit and maybe find some rhubarb pie somewhere and try that first uh, before I kind of make the investment just to make sure it's something that uh, we're going can, to uh, want to. You, uh-huh. you can buy frozen You can buy frozen rhubarb um, in grocery stores. Really? It's next, next to the peas and the beans and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's not very common, but it, it makes just as good a rhubarb pie. It's fine. Okay. But I've got six of them in my garden right now. Uh, next to my six artichokes, I'm growing that, artich- now, artichokes. I, you okay? I need I need your help with the artichokes. I like, for example, I, I like artichoke. I like you know, and I've I've gotten let's say marinated uh, artichoke, artichoke in the store. I've had spinach yeah. artichoke dip, so I I kind of like it. But you know, and I bought one one time, and then I just really didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> so, yeah. They're they're pretty high maintenance uh, in the kitchen, that's for sure. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. But, but they're easy to grow. Yes, no. 
Um, well, it's interesting. Uh, University of Florida is uh, trialing um, artichokes to see if they'll grow in Florida. And I could have saved them a whole ton of money because I've tried uh, six different varieties, and every one grows well here. So we didn't need to spend all oh. that taxpayer grant money. <laughs> they grow really well. And some are really pretty. You know, it's a thistle. It's a thistle plant. And right. what, we eat, what we eat is the flower bud. So okay. if you harvest that before it blooms, obviously, is what you want. And when you take out the, the middle one, it'll produce five or six smaller artichokes uh, on the same plant. So it's very, very productive. Uh, they're beautiful in a garden. So if you were to put them in with other bedding plants and perennials, um, there's one um, that has sort of a grayish foliage to it. It's kind of fuzzy, and it's incredibly beautiful. And as people walk by my front yard and they see these unusual plants out there, everybody wants to know what that plant is, and it's a it's a, a, an artichoke. And the only problem with artichokes uh, they grow really well from seed, first of all, so that's not a problem. Uh, and you just have, simply have to type in artichoke seeds, like rhubarb, or, or rhubarb seeds online, and you'll you'll find a vendor for them. And very easy to grow from seed. The one thing that I have noticed about artichoke is that they're very, very brittle. Unlike rhubarb, which you can plant out and you can step on it, you can roll it in, you know, it's it's going to come back. Artichoke, the leaves are very, very brittle. And if you just walk by and just brush them with your pant leg, um, it's going to break the bottom. So it's one of those things that you have to plant where there's not going to be any traffic, where you can just watch, watch it grow. And they are true. There's some that are... Um, like uh, what's that one called, Violetto. It's from uh, northern Italy, and it has purple buds instead of green buds. Um, they're a very, very pretty plant, but uh, super easy to grow. Artichokes are super easy to grow. It's just you have to watch, you know, make sure you don't put them in a high traffic area where they're going to break up. But um, they seem to like a little bit of this cold weather. They're just coming back now, and they're ready to go. I have a lot of stuff out there. I got pole beans and, and turnips and beets and lettuce and parsley, sugar snap peas. All that good stuff grows right now. If you're ever thinking about, gosh, you know, I'd really like to have some herbs, or I'd like to have some green beans from now till May, is the time to grow them. So go to the store, uh, find yourself some seeds on one of those big racks, plant them in the ground, because right now, right now is the time to plant them. You're going to find all sorts of easy stuff to grow. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, Robert, I want to ask you about planting trees, some specifically, uh, when we come back. Uh, we are here with Robert Bowden, and if you have questions, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. 
Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks for being with us today, the third Friday of the month, uh, where we're celebrating Friday in the Garden with Robert Bowden. And I mentioned to you all something about a tree giveaway. Uh, Duke Energy was giving away uh, trees uh, to honor Arbor Day. Uh, They donated uh, $50,000 to the Arbor Day Foundation to purchase and distribute the trees. Today was supposed to be, I guess, the deadline or whatever, but um, I just went on and looked, and they said they are out of trees right now, but you can sign up uh, to get notified when they have some more trees again. So what they were giving away, Robert, were energy-saving trees, and some of the trees that were listed, uh, I'm trying to find that. Oh, okay. Um, The Dahoon Holly, Sweet Bay Magnolia, Bald Cypress, and red and pink crepe myrtles. Now, I guess what I wanted to find out from you is, out of the trees that I just mentioned, which would probably be the more, I guess you could say, sustainable tree, I guess easier to maintain tree, if you were to get one? So there was bald cypress. What was the other one? The the Hoon Holly, the Sweet Bay Magnolia, the bald cypress, and then they had a, a red and pink crepe myrtle. Okay, so obviously bald cypress and the and uh, the sweet bay are going to perform best where um, sometimes uh, an area gets a lot of water. So if right. you're, if you your house backs up to an environmental area and it's a little wet back there, then bald mm-hmm. cypress and sweet bay do really, really well. Um, okay. Unfortunately, uh, some people will plant them um, just, you know, I live up in Longwood uh, and I'm on mm-hmm. an old citrus sugar sand hill. And if I were to plant a sweet bay magnolia up there, it'd be dead in six months. It just, oh, it's, man. A, it's, a, it, it's a wet, foot plant. Uh, bald cypress, on the other hand, um, will grow in wet and dry areas. Uh, it's not totally drought resistant, but it has the ability to withstand extremes in water, so that would be a good one. Dahoon holly is native to Florida, and uh, it's interesting. Most of the holly trees that uh, we used to grow in Florida, even mm-hmm. at the theme parks, uh, we're, we're seeing um, that we're not, we're not growing the big holly trees like we used to. There is a disease called witch's broom, and it affects 
plants like hollies. And we think that we don't have any uh, research to back it up, just hands-on. We think that uh, it's, a, it's a virus or a bacteria that's spread uh, by pruning the plant. So like the theme parks and, and many um, uh, residences in Central Florida, these guys come in with their blowers and their, and their um, hedge clippers, and they just – everything has to be a square or a box, you know. Mm-hmm. And what they're not doing, of course, is they're not decontaminating their uh, tools before they go to the next yard, uh, and the theme parks are doing the same thing. So they get this disease, and over a period of time, it declines, and eventually they'll die. And it happens to most of the holly trees that you'll find growing in Central Florida. You won't find many holly trees anymore. Um, yeah, I, I, when I, is, mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, go I was ahead. just going to say that I remember seeing – I did not know what the name of these were. I, I remember seeing them so prevalent when I was growing up, you know, and you were almost tempted. They had to kind of – if you were a kid, you, they had to kind of stop you from trying to take them <laughs> and trying to eat them. Cause, and they don't taste – you know, they really don't taste good. But, you know, they were just attractive. But, yeah, you don't yeah. see that many of them anymore at all. That's from the witch's broom. Um, but – the reason I, I, I'm leading up to this, the Dahoon holly mm-hmm. is not susceptible to this. Uh-huh. So what looks like a, what, what looks like a cute little uh, plant right now, Dahoon holly will easily get 12 feet tall and 10 feet wide. Wow. So keep that nice. in mind. It's not something, oh, it's really cute, and I can plant that next to the house or next to my sidewalk going up to my front door. <laughs> That's not how this plant grows. It's a right. big, big plant. And I don't mm-hmm. know what size uh, they're giving away, but holly trees are dioecious, meaning that there's a male and a female plant. And I don't know if they're, if uh-huh. how big they are, if they're able to tell whether you have a male plant or a female plant. But if you have a uh-huh. female plant, uh, then, of course, you're going to get those incredible, beautiful uh, red berries. Mm-hmm. So not only are you you know, planting this for aesthetics and how nice your yard looks, but you're also planting them to help feed the wildlife. You know, one thing yeah. uh, in Florida, we're on the, we're on the peninsula, and we're on the on the flyway for migratory birds coming from Canada down to South America, and mm-hmm. they have something to eat along the way. And right. uh, you know we're able to supply all these beautiful red berries on these holly trees. So if there's any way you can tell um, whether you know it's male or female, I, I would certainly go after that. And let me talk for just a minute Good about grape myrtle. Crape sure, myrtle. please. Um, does it say Love in the them. literature what variety of crepe myrtle they are? No, it just says uh, available tree species include the Dahoon holly, sweet bay magnolia, bald cypress, crepe myrtle pink, and crepe myrtle red. That's all it says. Well, the problem with that is that there are some white crepe myrtles that get 40 feet tall. Right. Um, there, there are some white crepe myrtles that only get four feet tall. 
Okay. So um, let's say hypothetically you wanted a nice white, um, small, four-foot-tall crepe myrtle, uh, you know, going up to the steps to your to your house, uh, and, and instead what they gave you was one that grows 40 feet tall, you're going to be fighting that tree for the rest of your life, trying to keep it four feet tall. So before any of your listeners go out and accept one of those trees, uh, they're gonna, it's, it's a wonderful idea, and I certainly don't want to suggest to anyone that it's not. I mean, anytime you can get a free tree, you buy one, you know. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. <laughs> don't don't plant it uh, a crepe myrtle if you don't know what kind of crepe myrtle it is, because there's big ones and there's tall ones, and you certainly don't want to take a uh, what you what looks like a small crepe myrtle and plant it along the sidewalk going up to your house, and then find out later that it's going to be forty feet tall. So good to know. The, you good know, to know. The bald cypress, the, the hoon holly. The magnolia, all great. Uh, crape mm-hmm. myrtles grow well too. It's just make sure you get the right one. But okay. the, make sure too in that sweet bay that you plant that where it's a little wet. Um, I know. The, I'm I'm sad already, Robert. You know, because I, I don't know. There's not a lot of water. There's that there's that sandy soil, and I've been wanting a, a magnolia, so that's what I was going to go after, but. <laughs> Okay, but I'll get the Dahoon Holly because I mean uh, it's yeah. good to know that that the um, I mean if if I get the opportunity I'm gonna get the Dahoon Holly because I, I like the fact that it's colorful I like the, the fact that you know attracts the birds and everything um, and, and like I said you just don't see them much anymore and I'm glad to know it's not because of the um, the disease I think it's just because they they keep just chopping trees down basically. Well, we've we've discovered that most of that disease is transferred by um, tools from the from the mobile and go guys that haven't been decon haven't been decontaminated. So mm-hmm. you'll still you'll see still see um, the hoon holly out in the woods because they don't they don't get out there. Um, and I'm going to get on my soapbox for just a minute again, but gosh, you know I wish someone had taken the list of plants that they were using to landscape uh, I-4 and passed it by somebody who knew plants because they're putting the wrong plant in the wrong places and already they've only been in the ground for less than a year and so, and many of them are already dead because they put the wrong plant they put the wrong plant in the wrong place you know I live up in Longwood and as I come down the ramp to get to 434 on the on the left hand side. There's this hillside. You know the the uh, freeway goes up and then over 434, and it's a pretty steep slope right there. And of course that's all sugar sand. You know there's no real soil in there. And what did they they planted 20 sweet bay magnolias. Oh man, half of half, it's less than a year. Half of them are already dead. Yeah. And on the other side, the other side, going south on inter, on Interstate Four, getting off at Four Thirty Four, up on the hillside, very steep incline. What did they plant? River birch. River birch. 
What about the word river? Didn't they understand? It only grows <laughs> where it's wet. Yeah, but, I, I watched as they were. Right, right I watched plant, as they right were doing plant. some of this stuff. Yeah, and I'm, I'm like, well, what are they doing? I, I I just because and one of the things I hated is that and they took away a lot of the greenery, and then they made these little, I guess what they thought were cute, these little uh, block looking things yeah. that and, and I guess they were trying to print plant grass in between them or something that they yeah. thought would grow or something and, and it's just yeah. look, it, there's no aesthetic you know quality to it at all you know it's not what people came yeah. down here for it's not what people come down here for people come down here for the greenery you know I, they come down here for yeah, for any, the, anyone, the natural growth anyone who doesn't they don't even have to garden and you say the word river birch where do you think the birch would grow? Would it grow mm-hmm. on a steep, sandy slope, grow in areas where it's wet? Mm, let me put right. this through. River birch. I think it would probably grow near the river. River. But, yeah, all of those are dead as well. Yeah. yeah. There was a $65 million budget for landscaping oh, on wow. I-4. Yeah. Well, they, they botched that up. Dude. Yep, wrong plant, wrong place. And that, yep. you know, that's a lesson. My father always told me, a good person learns from his mistakes. A great person learns from somebody else's. <laughs> so in, this, so, so in this case, in this case, as you drive along, you see these red bay magnolias or the river birch. Hmm, they're all dead. Mm, I was going to plant those. But uh, I don't think I am now because they're all dead. So, you know, learn from others' mistakes. You'll be ahead of the game. Well, like I said, I learned that I'm not planting a magnolia, unfortunately, but I'm not planting. I'll just have to love them from afar, but I guess I will try to get a Dahoon holly and make it work. So I think that'll be a good choice for you. So don't forget, uh, catch Robert at one of his classes at Lou Gardens, and I think you said you were teaching at Valencia too. Is that correct? Yeah, I teach uh, a plant identification class, and I teach a uh, introduction to growing vegetables. It's not a it's oh, not wow. a, you know how do you how do you farm. This is really uh-huh. for people like you and me who want to grow their own food. And uh, how do you do it? What are the tricks? You know, we provide a lot of tips. The wonderful thing this year is that uh, we moved. Uh, from growing them at Lou Gardens, uh, we, mm-hmm. we've created a vegetable garden on the campus at um, um, Valencia on the West Campus, but oh, good. Uh, next to the greenhouses. So they built okay. uh, a number of raised beds for me, and mm-hmm. uh, I have 22 students in my vegetable oh, class. That's how that's how important food growing food is to everyone. Um, and Robert, you know they. Nice greenhouse, so we're we're gonna we're ready to go. Have a wonderful weekend, Robert. Thanks so much, Professor Bowden. Talk to you soon. Take care. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. This has been G's Power Hour. Never had it so good. Entertainment. Be well. Be safe. Be blessed. And please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.